on 89.9 The Light. You're in conversation with Clayton, and it is uh, just wonderful to be able to be joined by uh, the people who have put together this new book, Grandfather Emu, Auntie Rhonda Collard-Spratt, and uh, Jackie Fer- uh, Frero joins us. Uh, I'm not even sure if I've got your, your surnames there right, so very apologies to, to both you ladies if I've mucked that up, but thank you so much for having a chat to us. You're Hello. welcome. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. It's so, so good to have you here uh, as well as we talk about um, uh, some interesting research that's come out and also then some of the uh, the emphasis for you to write this book as well. I know that um, some of the, the recent research that I've read has been around this idea that a lot of Aboriginal culture, uh, people across Australia who aren't uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander want to know more but don't really feel like they do know more. And I think... Your book is certainly going to be playing a part in that. Auntie Rhonda, could you explain to us a little bit um, how the book even came about? Because the, the pandemic has actually been part of how this book's come into existence, isn't it? Yes. Um, well, this is Jackie and I's second book. We wrote Alice's Daughter, my memoirs. But now, during the pandemic, she rang me up and said, Auntie, are you ready to do some more books? And I said, yes. And we decided about our heroes, but then we decided to, better still to create dreamings that represent us today. We bring what we've been given by our ancient people from the past. We treasure that and we hold it close to us and we pass it on to the next generation. But we must also reflect us today because we are a living culture, the longest living culture on the planet. So we mustn't become stagnant. So we decided that we would revitalise this story and reintroduce language and the beautiful teachings throughout the story about being kind and thoughtful and respectful and helpful to people in need or animals in need. So that's how we got started on this during the pandemic when, um, you know, I was feeling isolated and being Aboriginal, I'm high risk. So um, this was good for my mental health too so we got together and started to write this and we were so fortunate we only had a couple of little lockdowns so we were able to meet up and have fun yarning and drinking tea and eating food and writing and laughing and all the good stuff right it's wonderful <laughs> and, and jackie your experience from this too you, you know you were clearly very much uh sort of suggested, hey, why don't we, we start this process? How have you reflected as you look back that you've now got this this book created? What was your experience as you look back? So I felt that Auntie was feeling quite isolated with um, COVID and that personally needed something to raise her spirits. But I also felt that the wider community and especially the children and Within that, especially the Aboriginal children, needed something positive in their lives, um, positivity and hope for the future and also to bring pride among the wider community to our First Nations people's uh, culture. And so I felt that these children's stories would be a great tool really for, for primary schools and parents to help them better understand this culture and to also embrace it and to and to help the Aboriginal children in, in classrooms to feel proud about this is their a story for them and a story about them and being the first people of this of this beautiful country. So it's just been a totally positive experience and 
um, a total change from the first collaboration that Auntie and I had in writing her memoir. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, and uh, Andy Rondo, I think that's a, a key part. You know, you you both did did um, meet together to to write your memoir, which is not one of um, you know absolute roses the whole way through. In fact, there's a whole lot of um, you know really tough things that you had to endure throughout your life as you know one of the survivors of the stolen generation. Could you talk a little bit about, I suppose, that perspective of what you've had to go through? And you know, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that you say, "Hey, look, I." I want to share through this book hope and positivity and things that uplift. Um, can you share just a, a little bit for us, perhaps, some of what you have actually gone through in your life? Well, I was stolen at three, and my little sister was about eight months and taken away from my my family, from my country, my language, my culture, my dreaming, and placed in an institution. We had 10 dormitories and as you got older, you moved from kindergarten dormitory right through. You know, you moved through the whole lot. And we grew up without affection. Um, yet they said Jesus loved us, but no one ever hugged us or or showed us any affection whatsoever. So that grew up, I grew up feeling, you know, I couldn't show my affection in my to my husband. And it was so, something totally strange and I couldn't trust people. So we had parenting issues because we never saw parents. So it had a lifelong effect on a lot of us in our everyday lives. It coloured our way we see the world today. So, But um, one thing for me was growing up with all my mission family. They became my true family because they were there. They experienced what I experienced. They lived what I lived. And we see them as our real family. So that's my strength is my connection to the other mission children. And um, we still keep in touch today. And even with the Royal Commission into um, Institutional Childhood Sexual Abuse, we're all doing that now. And I'm 70. It's ongoing. It's not something that happened way back in the distant past. It's here now. And I just love Australia to realise that this is the true history of this country. It's my history, it's your history, it's Jackie's history. It's our shared history. So we need to know that it's been happened and accepted. I know it's a difficult conversation to have sometimes, but we need to know what happened so we can move forward together as a nation, you know? Because yeah. we need hope. Yeah. You know, and, and- when I grew up, I had no hope. I didn't want to live. I... I hated myself because society hated me and so I had to learn self-love and not to self-harm. So I've come a long way in my journey, in my spiritual growth, in myself, in my identity and um, knowing that I belong to this land, that I am the firstborn child of this land, our people, and um, that this is our home. We don't see a house as a home, it's the whole land. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about getting that across to all Australians that we're here now and we must accept what happened and not to say, no, that didn't happen, not to be in denial. So I think that's the first step in our journey as a nation. Yeah, absolutely. We want to explore more of this with Aunty Rhonda and Jackie in just a couple of moments' time. They're behind this uh, new book, Grandfather Emu. More on all of that next on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 
On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and the authors of this new book, Grandfather Emu and How the Kangaroo Got Her Pouch. Uh, Jackie and Auntie Rhonda are joining uh, me as we talk through. And we've been hearing a bit of your story um, just before we went to those songs there, Auntie Rhonda, around being a part of the the stolen generation and the things that you had to go through, um, which were, you know, absolutely abhorrent and should never have been done. I, I'm fascinated in, in how you reflected there. You talked about the fact that um, this idea that, hey, we, we need to have this conversation. This is a live conversation, uh, not something that just happened in the past, I think was your words. Can I ask the two aspects of it? Um, from a, a very general, broad perspective of, as a community, I, I think you're saying we, we still need to do that. So what are the things we should be doing there? And then also for yourself, how have you got through it? Have you had to get to a place of um, saying, well, I'm going to just accept this part of it and move on because otherwise I get stuck? Have you had to get to a place of I have to even I have to allow myself to forgive to move forward? I have to say I'm not going to. I, I'm fascinated in, in your personal as well as the sort of the broader perspective. Yes. Well... I think this is a conversation that nobody really wants to have, to sit down with us Aboriginal people and non-Indigenous people and talk about the past. It's our shared history, and it's since 1788. We need to go right back to there and see what happened and accept, you know? Don't just block it out and say, but I wasn't there, don't blame me. You know, we often get this thrown into our faces and... uh, we know you weren't there, but we need people to understand the trauma and the, the um, what we carry with us every day. Because our history is like your shadow. You can't run away from it. Yeah. So um, we just need people to walk in truth, listen to the truth, our truth, and to know that these horrible things did happen. Some good things happened. So we need to accept it in its entirety, not just in bits and pieces. And, you know, we must sit and listen and and not be judgmental and open your heart and receive the message and listen and hear us and, and we'll listen and hear you. We've been hearing non-Indigenous people since 1788. We know everything about you. We know your language. We eat your food. We wore your clothes. What do you really know about us? They just stop and say, G'day, it's not going to hurt you and we're not going to rob you. You know, don't come with preconceived ideas what we should act like or what we should look like or even smell like. I've been told I didn't smell like an Aboriginal. Mm. So anyway, um, it's about accepting each of us as human beings yes. with a human heart, a human spirit, a human soul and to tap into your humanity, you know, because we're all equal. Yeah. I don't know why people, some people put themselves higher and put others down low. In my eyes, we're all equal. Yeah. So that's how I like to be treated, and I treat everybody like that. And for my healing, um, I play guitar, I music, I paint. I just do something that I want to do. Sometimes I just be stupid and dance around the lounge room with my doggies or <laughs> I just enjoy life and just live in the moment, you know? Wonderful. I love and, it. Um, I like to paint and make bush medicine, like to walk in the bush. Yeah. So just nurture, nurture your heart and your spirit. Find something that you love to do. Yeah. 
So that's how I do my healing. And, you know, by talking to Jackie, and I've learned so much from Jackie that because it took me a long time to trust non-Indigenous people. So it's been a a wonderful journey with Jackie, walking side by side in the spirit, the true spirit of reconciliation, of um, full acceptance and full respect. I want to thank you, Jackie. You're very special. Yeah, yeah. It's a great yeah. privilege. Um, Jackie, <laughs> let, thank you, darling. Yeah, Jackie, let's come to you and, and, and your perspective. As we've said, you know, you you helped um, write the, the memoir around Aunty Rhonda, and obviously, you know, key part is you both put together this this book, Grandfather Emu, and how the kangaroo got her pouch. Um, tell us what what it means for you to be a part of this journey, and and I suppose the hope of of what you're seeing as uh, as you're experiencing and understanding and then also hopefully bringing others in. So my background is community development and that was my former career before I met Aunty Rhonda and I worked in a lot of areas that where a lot of Aboriginal people lived in the Ipswich area particularly. And I feel that the, the book Grandfather in You can become like a tool for community development um, across all sectors of the social services um, and the community, um, starting with our young people, about creating more of a community of inclusion and um, not judging people. And um, as Arnie said, you know, Aboriginal people come up against these um, barriers which non-Indigenous Australians don't face on a daily basis. Um, for example, they, they find it harder to get employment. They're not treated the same in the healthcare system. They're not treated the same in the juvenile justice system or in the justice system, um, or they're not treated the same by police. And through Ani's memoir, I learnt that firsthand from the police violence that she experienced in Perth. So there's all of these professions across the social services and the justice system where... People need to learn to treat everybody equally, as Annie just said, not to prejudge people and not to um, reduce their amount of care because of the colour of someone's skin. And um, it's sad to say that in 2021, this is happening in Australia, mm. you know, and obviously there's a higher rate of foster care in Australia among First Nations children. And you could argue that that's a result of former policies of taking children away from their families. You know, we broke their families. We broke their families generation after generation after generation. Aunty Rhonda is the fourth generation of stolen children in her family. Mm. And so how do we expect Aboriginal people today to be great parents? How do we expect that? They need support, you know, and they need the rest of Australia to be non-judgmental, to do their jobs and even go the extra mile. Now, Arnie says we're all equal. Well, you could argue that Aboriginal people are not on an equal footing. You know, they need they need a leg up. And at the same time, I feel that education is the answer for our First Nations people. And so I feel that literacy is the first step in education. So by writing this um, children's book, which is fully embracing our First Nations culture and even it's got Aboriginal language in it, the Noongar language from from Perth, the Perth area of WA, um, it will attract Aboriginal children to want to read 
to learn to read and that's the first step in their education and to go on. And in my 20 years in community development, I've seen so many more First Nations people get tertiary qualifications and become teachers and journalists and uni lecturers and medical staff. And um, you'd hope even in the justice system that we would get more and more Indigenous people. And this is the way forward by empowering the First Nations people themselves through education. And the first step of that is literacy. So that's where I see the role of books like Grandfather Emu coming in. Um, just being one small tool, which I hope primary schools would embrace on that journey towards empowering our First Nations people for a better future. Yeah, that's great. Love that. Yes. Um, Jackie, Aunty Rhonda, we thank you so much uh, for a couple of things. Firstly, for writing something like this, which we hope exactly is going to do just as you've, you've both expressed, and also for being willing to have a conversation with us. I, I know it, as you, you've said, I think, Auntie Rhonda, this is just really a, a starting point. You know, this is a, a starting yeah. point of where we, we hope to go and need to go as a nation as well. So we thank you both for your time yeah. today and for your inspiration to us. You're so Thanks, welcome. Good on you. Go well now, everybody, and go strong. Good on you. Thank you so much. Uh, authors of the book, Jackie and Auntie Rhonda, of the book Grandfather Emu and How the Kangaroo got her pouch here on 89.9 The Light.